0: Shirt show. All right, let's go. Shirt show. Talking shirt. Shirt show. Talking shirt. Shirt show. Talking shirt. Shirt show. All right. Episode seventy-six of Shirt Show.
1: We're talking with Stan from T-shirt side hustle in Delaware. Let's go.
2: Show. Hey there, Daddy.
0: Good evening. Good evening. I don't know why, but my voice is a little bit lower today. Did your balls finally drop? No.
2: I was going to say, it's been a a long time.
0: Yeah, not yet. I mean, doctors say any day. Mm. Check, check, check. I I hope your balls drop. I like like you. (laughs) Wow. So you're camo up top and camo down low no camel, Dude, cam, camel I almost said camel <laughs> I'm camel down low camo up top okay
2: I actually have okay. I'm actually dressed like a giant piece of shit today hear me let me see if I can show you are you going okay, hunting no look can you see oh fuck are you trying to cam- show me your camo balls? shorts cam- oh, yeah man. do you want to see my balls <laughs> I have camo sweat shorts on uh
0: And my loafers on. And this is just my Sunday outfit, man. I think you look great. Thanks. I can hardly see you, though, because you're just blend in.
2: But... It's just like a hovering face.
0: (laughs) Right. So, Dilly. Hey. How was your week?
2: Mm, Well, it... Was good. <laughs> we got a bunch of stuff done. Uh, we had to have a meeting to talk about pretty much everybody and their brother that's trying to get an order in right now wants it before Thanksgiving.
0: Oh, so,
2: yeah. We, we right. have to turn so many people away. Um, And yeah, we worked all day yesterday. So a good Saturday work.
0: Yeah, that's about it. Sounds like you worked all week and then worked part of the weekend. What about today?
2: It was nice today because I, well, I got home last night, got food, uh, laid in bed, watched TV, went to bed pretty early. And then today I slept in and I just sat in my office at home and loafed around all day. I had a Baron right before I came here. (laughs) So
0: yeah as a snack Um, or dinner uh dinner okay
2: i mean first dinner like i'll probably have dinner again like i'm not savage Mm
0: -hmm. let's see how did my week go you ask oh no you didn't ask that but i'll tell you okay cool um i i moved boxes moved more boxes i mean i just it seems like that's what i do a lot of so i move boxes (laughs) and
2: you're just the box mover guy
0: I'm box mover guy. And you know what? It occurred to me that we've grown to the point where that's like a position. Like we need mm-hmm. to hire somebody, a box mover guy or a girl. Which is funny
2: because we kind of did the exact same thing.
0: I know we're twins. I know we are. Like, we live parallel lives. Mm-hmm. Continue with your From story. birth. From birth, we live parallel lives, except my balls haven't dropped.
2: It's you just like twins. They... Like you're Danny DeVito and I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Exactly. Like that. (laughs) So what happens is, you know, you print, um, an order and let's say there's 20 boxes in it. And for us right now, a lot of things can happen to it. One, it could ship and that goes to a certain dock. It could courier and that goes to a different dock. The customer could pick it up and that doesn't even go to a dock. Usually it'll go to a door And so I have to, it seems like what we're doing is instead of like, oh, let's, we got 20 boxes. How do we move them? It's gonna take forever. So we put them on pallets, you know, everything kind of goes on pallets. I've got a ton of pallets here and we're pallet jacking orders all around the shop. And not only like for pickup, but when they come in, you know what I mean? Where Where is it printing? It's printing down on the Cobra. Is it printing over on a color? And so it's just moving boxes and that's what we're doing all the time. And I've got two check-in stations because station number one is just way too fucking crowded. And so we created a whole nother one.
2: Are you guys staging a lot of stuff yet or just more moving pallets to the, to the press?
0: Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's staging still. Yeah. I mean, we're staging stuff, but we just ran out of room for that even, you know, staging because everything was, that's my problem is I don't have any room for it. Right. So I, I want to do what you're doing and that is like a container or a box truck or, Um, Even just a trailer, it doesn't have to be a box truck. It could just Mm -hmm. just be a trailer sitting at the dock. And I think that's probably the solution, honestly. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, the biggest thing I've heard about that though is just make sure like you're uh, not keeping them in there too long or you have a dehumidifier or something
0: so they don't like get moldy. Right, in the summer you're saying. So, I mean, I can't imagine, it's not like it's, okay, so we wouldn't use that for storage. It would just be, oh, they're here. They wouldn't be
2: in there very long. 10 days. It's just, yeah, exactly. That's why I said, like, mm-hmm. the most anything is going to be in there is like a week or two, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I just don't want them in there like when it's spraying and it's like moist and shit. Moist. Moist.
0: Mm-hmm. With all the mouses.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, the mo- but yeah, moss. we had uh, Megan, who's worked here for a couple of years now. She's always been my fulfillment quality control kind of person. Okay. Uh, into the end of the dryer and uh she came to me and was like yeah you know i'm super interested in like print like you know i know you're not necessarily hiring for that position right now but like i would love to learn to print more and like get on press and everything else so the other day i was out there doing something i think i was helping on press and i was just looking at megan and i was just sitting there thinking while i was pulling shirts off And i was like you know what i think i'm just gonna say fuck it and like give her a shot now so I pulled her in the office. Well, the best part was, is I knew, I knew this was going to happen because I, I try to do this as much as possible, just to fuck with people is say like, come see me at the end of the day. <laughs> that way they th- fucking stew on it like all day long. Mm-hmm. Or I want to tell you this thing. I really got to tell you this thing. Oh, never mind. I'll, I'll tell you about it later or whatever. And then like make people wait so they can fucking contemplate life for a while. So then I told Megan, I was like, come see me before the end of the day. I think like five minutes later she was at my door at my office and she was like, what do you need? Am I in trouble? And I was like, no, sit down. So I told her, I was like, Hey, I don't really need another person on press right now, but what I really need is someone to stage the next job for both presses, clean squeegees and plug bars, and just prep everything to where when they're done with a job, they can grab all the stuff for the next job and just keep going. Like no more downtime or scraping screens or cleaning the squeegees and flood bars, anything like that. Just like tear it down, give it to you, set up the next one and go. So uh, she did that all week this week and it was like huge difference. it was night and day.
0: So basically the Shur Kong way. Cool. Sher-Kong way. Yeah. Yeah. Finally.
2: Yeah. So like I said, with, as far as staging jobs on press, she's more has to stage the next job because we don't have room for like five carts to be pre-staged and waiting. Why not? I just don't have space. Like, I literally don't have a place to put them that they wouldn't be in the way.
0: Hmm. Because that's really great to have. I mean, five carts. I mean, if you have two presses going, each press, two carts, and then the spare. I mean, you've got to have that. Got to have that much space. Yeah. No. Knock down something. Knock down. What? Your office, I think. You should probably just.
2: Just stage shit in my
0: office. Right. See, okay. I solved the problem, right?
2: Cool. Then they got to walk all the way to my office to get the
0: carts. Guess what I made? A baby? I did that a long time ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. It didn't take I guess, long I guess right. Um, but I made chili. And Sunday right chili? now, sunny chili. Right now it is at home, on the stove, marinating. Simmering? Yeah, it is not on. You know, it's just there. I turned it off. Mm -hmm. Before I came here. You didn't leave it on simmer? (laughs) No. Just straight up off? Off. Covered. Yeah.
2: Now, when you eat chili, do you, like, get, like, bread and butter and, like, dip it in the chili juice before you eat the actual chili?
0: Sometimes. So there's lots of ways to do it, right? Yeah, that's a good way. Sometimes- See, my
2: problem a- is, is that I end up eating like half a loaf of bread before I even eat the chili because I just like I'm dipping and getting all of the juice out to where it's just like a bowl of the shit that's in it. Like that is no good. juice left.
0: It is delicious. Um, but sometimes crackers work and then other times noodles, you know, like that's usually like day three. Who the
2: fuck puts noodles in chili?
0: Dude, noodles is the same thing as bread. It's the no. same thing. Yeah, don't give me no shit. Yeah, it is. No. It's actually it could be better. Chili Mac. You never heard of that? Get the fuck out of here. All right. Next.
2: <laughs> don't change the subject to your gross ass uh, fucking food.
0: You don't know Chili Five Way, for example. That sounds yeah. like a sexual position. You uh need to get out more.
2: I'm mm. pretty out and uh
0: <laughs> you can put it over Mac. Okay. Okay. A little sour cream.
2: On a boiled hot dog, maybe.
0: Of course, not boiled hot dog. Obviously. Okay. Yeah. But my chili at home today is white bean chili. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first chili of the year I made just normal, you know, crushed tomatoes, that stuff. Today is not that. <clears throat> it's the, like the recipe that you put a um, container of um, chicken stock, is mm. that what they call it? Sure. Yeah. I've never made chili, so. And then um, a whole block of cream cheese. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you the recipe. I'm are, gonna- you,
2: are you bringing some to when you see me tomorrow?
0: I can. Yeah.
2: I love that we're going to see each other
0: tomorrow. Yeah. I don't know if it's tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday. It is, but I'm not invited to tomorrow's thing. Are you tomorrow, gonna, you are have, you
2: just driving early Tuesday morning?
0: Tomorrow you have meetings about mm-hmm. stuff and that's your meetings about stuff. And then Tuesday there's other meetings about stuff, which I think we're going to kind of meet up and collab on. And then Wednesday there's meetings about stuff that you're not going to, unless you want to, I'd like you to come along.
2: I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> please, please come. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I am so far away. I'm going uh, further North if possible.
0: Yeah. Well, if you were a we're, true friend, you would definitely you come fucker.
2: along. That. I would be there in a heartbeat. If you really asked me, if you genuinely needed me there, I would be there.
0: I think I do just for the support. And also you can just be and say things for me.
2: So do all the work while you're in the background.
0: Right. Yeah. I like it. Thank you. You're welcome. I will bring you chili then. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I've got something for you. Every morning I announce loudly to my family that I'm going jogging, but then I don't go. It's a running joke. You, know, you can't you know, use this on me. You already told it to me. I, <laughs> I told this to you earlier, but you've got to pretend because you're really good at faking it. No, that, you, that it's funny. Next joke is next joke comes to us from Scotty over at King screen. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dilly. <clears throat> hey, hey, bud. Don't look down. Here, I got I'm a not. joke for you. Ready? Mm-hmm. Dilly, did you hear about the screen printer that almost died from pushing a squeegee? No, tell me more. Luckily, he pulled through. <laughs> and Al, or not Alex, uh, Matt said that's uh, the best screen printing joke he's ever heard. Thank you for this.
2: Yeah. Because it <laughs> proves that pulling is better than pushing.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but okay. Scott, you think he made that up? It's a good one. I hope
2: so. He seems like he would.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's got that in him to. have that creativity you know he's a joker he probably should be um quit screaming and and become a writer yeah both of those guys
2: him and nate should have a road show where they just tell nothing but dad jokes back and forth
0: yeah and that's it that's their thing like that's their gimmick we
2: should just have them on the show and make little clips this is the scott and nate part of the show
0: (laughs) just the whole show is that yeah yeah
2: Hey, remember how we were talking last week about how we didn't want to have to do this, but we mentioned that we should say it on the show that if people mm-hmm. could like and subscribe and share and thumbs up our stuff, so that more printers can see our stuff than already do, because we hate oh, asking yeah. for shit.
0: Remember yeah, that? I do. Rem- I do remember that. Mm. Yeah, like if you were to um, like give if us you're a listening, up,
2: if you're listening to us right now. If you could just do us a quick little fave and repost it on Instagram or give us a thumbs up or a like or whatever the fuck you are supposed to
0: do for that kind of stuff. Give us uh, a one-star review.
2: Yes. Tell us or, how fucking ugly um, we are.
0: Oh, what it is is you put a thumbs up, whoops, thumbs up on YouTube. If you're watching it on YouTube, you just click that that button, the thumbs up. button. I love how when, uh
2: we get a thumbs down every time.
0: I was going to say something else. I love <laughs> how when um, we were in that text yesterday and Marcotte came on and said, hey, this is Matt." Marcotte. He got thumbs down. <laughs> <phone>. <laughs> a bunch of thumbs down. I don't hardly ever use the thumbs down, but man, that was a good one. <laughs> it's a good time to do it. It's a good time to do it for sure. Right? Right? Yeah. That's right. Oh yeah, Dilly. It all starts with the string. It does. Whether it's new stretches or restretches, Frank and his team do it the best. To find out more, go to graphicscreenfashion.com, dot Frank.com. f f
2: f f Or. Great fucking screens
0: Yeah, fuck in, not fucking. Yeah, fucking. Don't. Don't make the mistake of putting a G in there.
2: Yeah, you'll go to a totally different website if you put that G in there.
0: That's right, Dilly. Nobody likes cleaning screens, but EasyWay makes it easier. Their line of eco-friendly <laughs> chemicals will help you keep your screens and your shop clean. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Uh-oh. laughs> I, 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 you know, kept it together until yeah. you laughed like the third time. <laughs> Check them out at easyway.com. Easyway.
2: It's the easiest way. You're so fucking good at this. I love watching you do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. <clears throat> I don't. I do. Action engineering makes accessories printers need. True. They have all kinds of... What's that?
2: I'm sorry? True. That's true. Hey, that's true.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they have all types of rad stuff on their website mm-hmm. Action Injury Action Engineering yeah, action, co- action Injury ActionEngineering.com mm-hmm. And be sure to use Shirt Show at Truth. checkout Monarch makes nope. ink Including an everyday white A matte black oh, yeah. And a high opacity mixing system That gets you colors fast
1: No way Is that true?
0: It's true. Okay. Learn more at mon- <laughs> <laughs>
2: Learn more at melatonin.com <laughs> It's
0: a long word. <clears throat> Where do we learn it more at? You learn more at monarchcolor.com Ink better, print better, be better.
2: Live. Live. Moss. Monarch.
0: Monarch. Monarch. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we did it. How are you feeling, man? You good? I don't know. We uh, just butchered all every fucking one of those. <laughs> but okay. Well. Hey, uh, that's cool. Mm, Sunday. Yeah. It's not, you know, like one day, like we'll get it. Like it's one lame. day.
2: I, it's lame if we're <clears throat> just going to read through these. I want to put some heart and soul into them.
0: It's true. It's true. Because
2: I truly care for each and every one of them.
0: I want people to understand my words, though, that are coming out of my mouth.
2: I think everyone understood you. A, Frank has the best fucking screens there are. Buy them. Don't be a moron. Mm-hmm. Uh, Easyway has the best screen. Spring. Yeah. Spring printing chemicals. See, now
0: you know. Now you know. Because I'm thinking
2: You're... about you and it fucks up my words. <laughs> screen printing chemicals. Right. Monarch has the best ink I've ever used when it Truth. comes to, to plastic. It's all True Truth. Truth. And Action Engineering has the best fucking printer accessories you can buy. So mm-hmm. that's why we support, and they support us, is because it's the best shit. Thousand percent. So that's it. That's all we got to say. It.
0: That's all we got to say. Yeah. All right.
2: Tell tell us about who's on today.
0: we stretch? Oh,
2: yeah. I do, <clears throat> I do need to stretch, though, for real.
1: Oh, yeah. I just felt,
2: oh, yeah, I felt my ribs pop. Mm-hmm.
0: Show me that tongue, boy. Come no. On. Come I'm on. If you wouldn't Pull have asked, out. I would have sh- done it. Pull it out. Let me see it. Our guest today. I want to see it. Dilly, our guest today is Stan Banks from T-Shirt Side Hustle in Delaware. And do you know why I'm stoked to chat with him? Because not only does he know a ton about Supercolor, he's also super inspirational god damn dude you like it um, dude that is you, solid that things, is solid solid gold
2: that come out of your fucking mouth make my skin crawl
0: <laughs> That is solid gold. Okay, I feel like
2: I feel like I'm with my like <laughs> creepy uncle at the grocery store when I hear you speak. Sometimes
0: <laughs> that's so nice of you to say. It makes me feel good. <clears throat> that's my goal. I'm I I'm trying to create awkward situations. Yeah, that's let's mm-hmm. just like let's just say it and then sit in it and let it happen. You know what I'm saying. You know what, I mean? yeah. you know what I'm saying there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I knew you were gonna like that. <laughs> you guessed correctly. I was like, oh, man, going to love this one here. I've been waiting.
2: I've been fucking holding on to that shit all day.
0: <laughs> yep. <clears throat> okay. 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 Mm-hmm.
1: How's it going? What's happening? Not much. So I'm moving into a new house. So that's why I'm sitting in the kitchen right now. <laughs> like, 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 It's no good light like, nowhere. I'm, I planned on taking this at the shop.
2: It's all right. It's cool. Um. So do you do any work on the weekends or you, why Why are you moving into a new house, just a new place?
1: Uh, yeah, this is a new place, bigger house for the kids, has some space. Um, I got to build out the studio and the basement and different things like that. Just just time, man. It was just time to to, to get out of the small place and get some yeah. more, more room and run around with different things like that for the kids.
2: So you're planning on putting your your shop space in the basement of that house? or
1: No, just the, the recording studio. So just oh. a studio. So if I do stuff like this and I'm not at the store and different things like that, it will all be uh, in one place. I can get some work done out of here when I'm home. Um, but the shop, stay there.
2: Where is the shop from you now?
1: Uh, about 15 minute drive. So in the city of Wilmington, where I'm from, Delaware.
2: Nice.
0: So what all do you do at the shop? Is it like a retail location where you sell out of, or is it production only? Tell us about what you got going on.
1: So right now I'm in a transition. So I have two shops, two sides rather. So it's both set up for retail, um, but I built out a custom t-shirt bar inside of there. So in my area, a lot of one-offs and different things like that, kind of like spark your business. So, you know, if something happens Somebody comes in, they want a rest in peace shirt. They want shirts for their birthdays or different things like that. So that was like a huge staple of how I got started um, when I started, you know, making shirts. So I built out a retail location um, with a movable bar, kind of like a a T-shirt bar, of course, heat pressing, custom vinyl stuff. Um, I do a lot of transfer stuff. I kind of got away from screen printing, although I still have access to the screen printing shop. Uh, when I got larger orders, different things like that, I usually just outsource it uh, to the printer that is in that shop uh, just to save my time. My time has become more valuable than actually printing and pulling the squeegee, trying yeah. to focus on some other things.
2: So you said you're trying to transition mostly to transfers. What? Why, uh, why did you make that decision? What's uh, the factors behind that, I guess?
1: So I think, you know, for me, I was never trying to become a T-shirt printer. I was just an entrepreneur. Right. So um, what actually got me started making shirts was my photography business. Um, And as I was doing that photography business, I was just trying to promote my business at the time, uh, which I started wearing my own shirt, my own logo and different things like that, which kind of led me into printing for other people. Um, and I had a Ryanette DIY started kit at my mom's house, mounted it to the dryer, you know, going through all the, had the floodlights, having a horrible time burning screens. But I kind of just, you know, as I was researching, doing different things, it seemed like that was the best way to go. Um, and it it became a time consumer for myself, you know, it was sort of like once I um, walked into who I, a, a guy was my mentor, and I ended up sharing a shot with up until recently. Um, I walked into his store, he used to be a substitute teacher of my uh, and he's like, hey, you want to print? So then that, from that point, I started seriously printing, and that was around 2011, I started to take T-shirts serious, um, and throughout that journey, um, I think in 2015, I got my first vinyl cutter because I was doing straight out of Compton stuff, straight out of this school, straight out of that school. I was doing man, crazy amounts of, like, historically Black colleges, um, and throughout that journey, like some small schools. Hey, can you do my school? Can you do my school? I'm like, well, I'm not burning the screen, screen printing uh, a shirt. I was like, you know, so first my pitch was, Hey, listen, if you guys go and get, you will get 12 friends to buy the shirt. I'll put up a pre-order and if it hits it, I'll just send you one for free. Uh, So they, so it kind of worked for a few schools, but it didn't work for all the schools. It's more so like if you're lucky enough that that person is kind of popular and different things like that, because my third biggest school was Clark Atlanta and I had never been to Clark Atlanta ever but I knew somebody who went there so it kind of worked at some schools it kind of didn't so now I had orders it's like well it's three or four what am i gonna do uh, so I ran up to Philadelphia to All-American and got a cameo I bought some vinyl from them and I started printing shirts through, with the vinyl cutter and then I thought about it. it was like well man why didn't I start like this you know, why didn't I start with vinyl cutting the heat press? I didn't really know anything about screen printing when I kind of got started. I just wanted what I wanted on the shirt. And at the end of the day, uh, so it kind of led me to that point where it was like, you know, my thought process was like, man, I should have started like this. And that's kind of where my YouTube channel came from. Like, you know, all of the lessons that I learned the hard way, not to say anybody shouldn't get in screen print, but, you know, some people... Uh, heat transfers and vinyl will be a better start. And then they can figure out kind of, hey, do I want to go deep into a screen print shop? Like you guys are. Or do I want to stay here? Uh, mm-hmm. You kind of find your lane of a sort.
2: Yeah, for sure. Now you said for the schools you were doing the straight out of stuff. Was that yeah. when that was like huge and everyone was doing straight out of I would, something? I
1: would like to say I was the first one to think of it, right? But if we <laughs> never, nobody ever knows. But when I say, you know, I think I went to like the first time I went to the post office, uh, my bill was like, seven 50 off of $3 first class packages. It was like, someone was like two fifty six at the time. Someone was three twenty five, Uh, but I had took them to a smaller town because, you know, at the time, my girlfriend, I was printing and they were, she was writing the names on the packages. They was coming off the dryer. She was like, print this size. And it was just like printing, printing, printing. I kind of got burnt out, but we went to a small town, um, Post office, and they ended up was like, "Well, you guys can't come back." Like we broke the system for a minute. We <laughs> mm-hmm. had to split up our transactions so other people could could come in. And then the Sounds next like time our post office
0: dealing, yeah, <laughs> like well,
2: the funny thing is, is like I don't blame them. Like exactly what he's saying. If you showed up with seven hundred dollars worth of first class class packages, that person's gonna get pissed because it's like mm-hmm. that's a lot of packages. Like you should have a some kind of system like a ship station or something like that to get them ready at home and then drop them off. And they, all they have to do is scan the, you know, the one sheet of paper that has every label on it. Yeah. So um, that, that's what,
1: that's pretty much what happened to me. Like the next time I went back, they like, y'all can't come in here. <laughs> like, I'm like, no, no, no. I got, like, I had got the diamond. I had got uh uh stance.com cause I didn't know at the given moment and I didn't know how right. big it was going to be. And it was like, I got behind so fast because yeah. he just caught like wildfires uh, through those schools and different things like that. So I kind of like targeted what I was doing. I was spreading churches and different things like that as well, but I was really targeted on the black colleges. Cause I had went to one, my girlfriend at the time had went to a different one. So we started there and then we kind of expanded out.
2: Now, have you gone into any other uh, like a design like that? Kind of like the straight out of one blew up, but there was like, there's been a ton in like, my career of seeing things like there was for a while, everything was that keep calm design and everybody just changed it to something else that had to do. Do you do anything like that? Where you
1: come up with a design
2: and then market it to a ton of different people.
1: So I tried to after that. So before that I was against trends, right? Keep in mind, I was doing like a clothing brand type of stuff. I wasn't really trying to be a printer, um, even though I had like some clients, but I wasn't trying to market it that way of a sort. They just happened to come. Right. So, um, as I kind of got started, I didn't want trends. Like I want to build a poser brand that's going to stand on its own. And I didn't want to chase the trends because after the trends die, you know, you kind of left with nothing of a sort. Right. So this was kind of, uh, the college thing was something that I had in my mind for like two years. I had the domain, I had everything that I wanted. I just didn't properly figure out how to launch it in a way with the designs that I wanted to. Um, I don't know if you guys heard of Campus Tease which is like a brand for colleges, but they do logo flips on like the logo, like drunken mascots. Um, And that's what I kind of wanted to do for historically black colleges, but uh, it wasn't received the same way that it was received uh, for these other schools, which uh, was, it was kind of challenging for myself. So when I shelved that idea and I was just waiting around, I turned it on and it was just an ecosystem ready to roll. Um, and then after that, I was like, man, I should have been this a long time ago, right? Like I should have been chasing all these trends that would happening." The keep calms. I did do Powerade um, just a kid, just a kid from, I don't know if you guys seen that one, Powerade did that with the Olympics, I think one year, uh, had some of that stuff. So now I'm more aware, I've done some other ones and I just apply, what I like to do is apply those designs to niches. So mm-hmm. if I take those popular designs and I apply them to the niche, I feel like it's very, very successful. Um, And then that ecosystem that you build, those social media followers and all of that stuff that you build is already there. So once you drop a new design, it's already being consumed very fast.
2: Yeah. And the nice part is, too, is if you're doing the heat press or the vinyl or whatever you're doing, you have the ability to customize a ton of stuff. So if like you get you open a store and all they have to do is put in what they want at the bottom, like, you know, you have that trend and then whatever else it's going to be can they just put that in and you're just like all right i need to make one that says Samantha and one that says this school or one that says this and you're just going to crank out those out or
1: are yeah, you trying I, to do i built that into a Joomla website where you could have like it was like a little text box you couldn't see it on the screen it was not that far advanced like right. you could just type it in to see it but you it said you know straight out of then it had question marks and it said custom t-shirt and right. down there you would put you know whatever name or whatever thing that you wanted it to be um, and definitely that was something that I capitalized off of. Um, what, that...
0: um, so what platform are you building these stores on? Is it your website or are you um, and how are you marketing and promoting it? are you putting it out on Facebook and putting boosting it? And so it gets seen that way or like how I've never do you go about doing that?
1: I've ran one ad and it was horribly unsuccessful. I think it had got like two views or something. I tried to geographically target to one of these colleges and whatever I put in didn't work at all. So um, how I marketed it was first and foremost, I was at one school. My girlfriend was at another one. I had got put out of a different school. So I had three schools already in my ecosystem where I knew people were at. Uh, So I kind of went the organic route and then I just started to phone friends like the school I'm talking about Clark Atlanta one of my classmates from high school, she went there, she was on a dance team and different things like that. I said, listen, I'm gonna send you a shirt, you wear it, etc., etc." So it kind of like, I just went in and, and uh, started to push. And then once I got those three things together, people started wearing, people started tagging them. It just became like, hey, can you do my school? Can I, you know, so I started to just catch like that uh, more so than anything specific that I did. It was just literally wearing it, posting it, sharing it. Um, I did set up at football games at these two schools that was close to me uh, and sold at those games. Uh, So those were the things that I was doing for that niche market, you know, and then interacting on hashtags and stuff like that. Stuff that's overlooked right now, right? We're talking about 2015 hashtagging and comment and all of this stuff. People really don't want to go this route because it's not like the overnight type of success. It's more like the grassroots marketing is similar to something out of the trunk, but the social media way you can do it Uh, just a few extra minutes a day, right? So, you know, going in on hashtags, somebody's hashtagging a school, you go into that school, you comment, say, that's pretty dope. You know, taking that little slow approach to kind of like getting people to interested in what you got going on. uh, Man, it was, it became overwhelming. I think I like after it finished kind of a story, I don't even think it finished. I think it finished me. (laughs) I disappeared for like three months, you know? So this was... (laughs) Uh, I want to say August, September, October, uh, that it was really, really heavy throughout that first homecoming. It was like the start of the summer, going back to school into football homecoming seasons. I was so burnt out after that, man. I disappeared to like February. It was like, no more money. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm tired of printing. I'm tired of everything. And it kind of like dwindled down through that period. But I was still doing, I was doing a lot of stuff at that time.
0: I feel you because you've been going nonstop since about what you're saying since like august and i want to i want some downtime like at the end of this whenever we're done cuz it's still it's still going right now it's still strong but when it starts to taper off maybe christmas or right before i would love 3 months i'm going to go for 1 month i mean i'm going to try i'm going to try and do january like the entire month of january or you know like we want to go to the desert and then go to ISS long beach which I think is like a 20-something. 20 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Okay, so then whenever that's over, then I fly home. Otherwise, the whole month. <laughs> Dylan, I'm you A of time,
1: man. Well, you guys got, so you got to think at this given moment for myself, it was just me right? Like it was just me. I had kind of taught my girlfriend at the time how to run social media and how to interact on this stuff because I was still printing. I was coaching football. I was printing. It was a ton of work and it was literally just me. Uh, And honestly, I was printing for my business and my partner's business at the time, which we had two separate businesses. We shared the shop, right? So, I was printing you at this point, we had no help, right? There was nobody reclaiming the screen. So we would just order screens in every day. The aisle became like, you can walk through this mouth. It's screens everywhere. And it just became about like, it's way cheaper, way faster because we couldn't get anybody consistently, you know, screen washing and reclaiming and all so that you, stuff. You know, for
2: every job you were ordering a new screen?
1: 100% at this given moment. I mean, if I showed you guys like a picture from like that shop, it was literally like you know maybe 18 inches of walk room in some of these areas that were uh that you could get through because there were screens under the dryer on you know just stacked up on the wall coming out into the floor and it was just it got bad for for a good period of time there
0: it's
2: a good way to do it <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love how his how the name side hustle turned into like full hustle you know because at what point did that happen? How how far in did it turn in from a side hustle to like a full-time all-in
1: job? So it be, it was kind of the opposite for me, right? So the name came because I couldn't get T-shirt hustle. And it, I, I love the name so much. So when I started my YouTube channel, it was something completely different. Like I had never had a job my entire life until uh, I was 27 or something like that. Um, and so before then... So I'm, I'm explaining where the channel came from and how this whole thing came about. So yeah, before yeah. then, um, I was just doing these different businesses and moving throughout. And I started to take t-shirts seriously in 2011 because it just seemed to make me more money, more consistent, less less marketing. It was just business rolling in versus photography for myself where I couldn't sell it for what I thought it was worth. And from the people for the price that the people who taught me, you know, they're getting like five thousand dollars a wedding you know, $900 a baby session doing like three or four only Thursday and Friday or Saturday at the weekend. And they were making a lot of money. And here I would come back into the city and I couldn't get 150 bucks without like pulling teeth. So the business became like, all right, let me just look at everything that I'm doing and clear my plate and just focus on one thing. So once I started to focus in on, on t-shirts um, that was all I was doing. And I needed to get health insurance. And, you know, I, I'm pretty sure you guys know when you start to turn your business into a legit business and start doing certain things, it becomes like a challenge after a challenge, like workers comp, trying to get health insurance and figuring out how how are you going to afford it? And, you know, when you just everything's already robbing Peter to pay Paul before you can actually gain some traction. Yeah. Um, so I kind of got a job just to get the insurance. You know, I was making ten dollars an hour doing security. But what I realized once I started working was that it gave me time to calm down. It really gave me time to focus my energy. And I wasn't just sitting around the shop all day and then printing at night. I was actually, when I left the work because I was there on the computer and organized and everything was ordered, everything was focused. So I looked at my first couple of checks and I'm like, man, if I was really like, this was all I was doing, I make more than this print t-shirt. But if this was all I was doing, how could I survive? You know, let alone with the kid. How could you survive off of ten dollars an hour by yourself? Um, so that got me thinking like, man, I could show somebody how to make three, four or five a thousand dollars a month just to make life hit them a little bit easier. So you, uh,
2: you decided to do that with the YouTube channel is to go your way.
1: Yep, that's where the YouTube channel came from, because I believe firmly that, you know, people shouldn't have part time job. You should have a hustle right? You should have some type of side hustle just because part-time jobs, you always capped on your hours, right? How much can you make an hour? 15 hours an hour, 20 whatever it may be, you're capped because you already work a full-time job and then you got what maybe three or four extra hours a day that you might go work. And then when you have time for yourself, you got to sleep this amount of hours you got to, you got to commute. You know, all of your hours be- began to get ate up. If you really look at the time and you always had a set amount of money that you could make. On the other hand, if you had a side hustle, you know, you can, you can pull a squeegee for an hour and make 5 fifty five hundred $250, 500 depending on the type of job. You know, you're printing a one-color print on a T-shirt and you do a bunch of those in an hour. Or you can print a one-color uh, print on a polyester uh, sports tech for school and charge 15 for the same amount of work and still, you know, pull in a lot of money. So that's kind of right. where the whole concept came from. I just wanted to show somebody how to make some extra money. And that's where t t-shirt size actually came from.
2: Now, how how was that going? This is kind of a side thing, but just like YouTube in general, like were you just making videos, putting them out and hoping people would gravitate toward it? Or did it catch on pretty early on and you just stayed consistent with it?
1: I just was consistent. You know, I didn't I didn't get on YouTube to make money. I really got on to help people. So I didn't make any money for the first two years. And then the third year was maybe like 700 bucks at the end of the year. I hadn't even turned on monetization. Right. Um, so in the first 50 days, I mean, the first 30 days, I put out 150 videos on my YouTube channel in and it was just, days? in 30 days. It was literally <laughs> just whatever I was doing at the time. I was on a customer shirt. I was going over to screen printing. I was doing another customer. I was just showing you weren't, um, that I was doing.
0: You were just documenting what you were doing. Basically, you weren't writing um, scripts and taking all this time. You were just turning on, I don't know what camera, phone or a camera. iPhone. iPhone, recording what you're doing and then putting on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I really like that. I think um, what you said is so true. Like when people, if they're committed to whatever that is, their full time, 40 hours, let's say. And then that's not enough. And then they have to get a part-time job. There's somebody here that, that does that. They, they do it because they like it. They work at GameStop and they mm. like the, the GameStop vibe, I think. But he also has started his own um, t-shirt side hustle basically. And I see him kind of moving away from that GameStop hours and going into this thing he started. And my uh, I saw this post, it was from my cousin and he had put up a book he's reading which might even be a good book for our book club, the next book. And that is, it's called 4,000 Weeks. So 4,000 Weeks is how many weeks the average person lives. That's like 80 years. And um, it talks about how we are here shorter than you think. And it talks about how we put off um, doing things that we want to do or starting a t-shirt side hustle, let's say or whatever side hustle it is that you want to do. But we put that off thinking, Oh, we're going to do that one day because we've got all this on our plate and we're going to put that off and eventually get to it. But unless you just do it and you make that time now, you're going to run out of hours or, and actually I guess weeks.
1: weeks, yeah, (laughs) That's true, man. And I think like, you know, this whole thing took off for me really in 2020, right? Like right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, That's when I met Supercolor and I started doing a lot more different projects and different things like that. Um, I had gained some traction before, but it really took off during the pandemic. I guess a lot more people at home, you know, searching for things to do. So it kind of like took off for everybody at this given moment. Um, But when I went to L.A. for the Long Beach show at the time, literally uh, I got picked up by one of the subscribers and he kept telling me, "You you deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. And I, I didn't really understand what he was talking about. Right. And I look back and I say, you know, I didn't really enjoy anything that I was doing because I, my head was always deep in work. It's just like, you never, even the time I spent with my kids, they were at the shop, they were there, but I wasn't really present. Right. You got to do certain things. You know, it's either you have a time and you don't have money, you got money, you don't got time. It's trying to find that balance. Um, and so what you're talking about is true. Like, you know, never taking the time out for yourself to do things that you want to do. It really becomes one of those things where it's like you just running in the wheel, right? Just going and going and going. And then you look up and you look back and it's nothing. You, you haven't really done anything that you wanted to do. Uh, and, you know, I, I worked at that old folks home and I used to ask a lot of them from Gary Vee. It's like, you know, sit with the old people. So I had a perfect opportunity to ask them what they regretted, right? Like, and what would they have done differently? So you are working...
2: You were working yeah. in an old folks' home, just going room to room, asking them what they didn't get done in life?
1: <laughs> nah, nah. So, <laughs> so it, honestly, kind of, because
2: <laughs> there it is. Sure,
1: I gravitated towards some of them. Some of them gra- gravitated towards me. They would, like, ask me to help carry stuff, and I would just find time to talk to them. You know, they would feed me like crazy. I, I would go back to work there just for the food right now. Just imagine having, like, 15 grandmamas and they all can cook, right? They all give me... <laughs> Who's cooking this weekend? It's just, it doesn't matter, but no, nah, and, and and when you when you start to figure out some of the things that you want to do, you know, and and making sure that what you guys are working for, like you're taking the time out to go go to the desert with your family, right? And some of my, my my YouTube content has shifted because it's really not about t-shirts for me. It's more so about life and and the hustle. And I might go do something else. That doesn't mean I just have to be stuck printing t-shirts, but I want to make sure at this given moment that I'm enjoying it and people are taking out. Even if it's like, hey, you know, I need to go buy this fabulous, I don't know, this token toy or action figure that I always wanted. Just the experience getting something that you want. I feel like that gratification that you give yourself will make you go do more or work harder and go get another one. now you got to recalibrate, move the goalposts of a a say and go get that.
2: But the T-shirts for you is the way to do that. You know what yep. I mean? It's like, you can't have, there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, go do what you want to do. Go do what you want to do. And then they give up on everything else. And then they're, they're fucked because they have no money and they have nothing to come back to. They're like, Oh, cool. I went on a road trip. I spent everything I had. And now I don't have anything left. And it's like, I just feel like it's, it's a moderation. Like if I feel like me, you and Andy all have the respect and the love for making t-shirts and making this stuff because we love the art and we love the craft of it. but then getting really good at that and getting a good customer base gives us the money to do the things that we want to do. So like Andy wants to go play around in the desert and he can do that because he put the time in and has the money to go do that. And it's the same with, you know, me, I don't really do a lot of that stuff, but me with here in my shop, it's kind of like I'm putting money into the shop because this is the place that I like to spend most of my time at. So I'm kind of the opposite. Like I'm trying to spend more money on the shop so that I can spend more time here instead of just, instead of somewhere so, so
1: else. So 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 when you got to, when you get to your ideal point then what, right? Like what I, I think where I go with it in my mind is that like, you know, this was always a mean to it. One entrepreneur journal led me into the next, right? right? And I never imagined YouTube blowing up and me doing some of the stuff that I'm doing right now. Um, but I always see myself helping people, whether that was coaching football or doing different things like that. That is what I'm naturally gifted at, is just whatever I learn, I'm going to go give it back to other people. Right. So even, um, even what I do now is like, you know, I try to connect other influencers, other people doing great things with opportunities. Right. And that's kind of like my way of giving back. So that's what's near and dear to me. But like, once you get your shop, like, you know, I, I keep saying you can take this screen printing, you take this t-shirt and stuff as far as you want to go. I've been in shops with 13 autos. I've been in shops with, you know, one man, you in the house, this person is perfectly happy. Right. But once it gets to that point, I put a lot of money into my store. Then what, what do you go and, what do you go and do once you got it built up as far as you want to go? Right. Um, Because there's no limit to it at the, at, at some point, but at some point it also stops. Right. Like
2: cool. Well, you get comfortable. Right. You know, what I mean, well, that's where that's where you're saying that the guy that has the manual in the basement that's totally happy. He's happy with taking three, four orders a week and getting enough money to just be able to hang out with his kids and go to the park and not have a nine to five and have more time at home and everything else. And then the guy that has 15 autos is just loves the fact that he's growing his business and it's that's what he wants to do. Like his passion is growing a behemoth of a shop and just keep it going. See, I'm kind of in the middle of that where I just want to have a successful enough shop where I can live the life I want to live and also be passionate about what I'm doing. And I'm just going to ride this shit out as long as possible. Like that's my plan. Like my personal plan is to grow this to where the company basically runs itself. Yeah. I'd like to be here and do everything I can do to be with it. Like, I'm not trying to work myself out of it, but like, I like the idea of like, like tomorrow, like me and Andy are going to Nashville and it's like, I'm comfortable enough with work where I can just be like, Hey, uh, I look like I'm going to go to Nashville for three days. And the company still runs itself. Like everyone here does what they got to do and whatever. And then if anything comes up later that I want to do, like, I'll go do it. And I have the money. I have the time. I can do whatever I want to do. So
0: you're going to Nashville though. is not just all play. It's work too. Yeah. But know. it's such
2: a small part of it.
0: True. But, and and it's also kind of like, where you're at in your life. I mean, you're younger than me and I don't know what stage you are at in growing your business. It sounds like you're you're getting there. I mean, you you were just talking about how you can't even fit um more carts in your shop and so it sounds like you're getting to you know the spot where you're there. I mean, you're pretty close. And then it kind of comes down to um just work-life balance and what you know, you what your thoughts in your, where you want to be at your age changes. And in 10 years, it might be completely different. You know, you're like, Oh, like this ran its course. And now I want to go to the desert with Andy. So
2: (laughs) I do want to (laughs) go to the desert. I don't know. I I feel like the way I'm kind of living things right now is more of like that, like YOLO mentality of like, I'm just going to do what I'm doing. I'm going to take it day by day. And when opportunities show up, and it's something I want to do. I'll do it. I'm not saying right now that like in stone, this is what's happening. I'm just like, I'm comfortable and I'm happy and I love my life and I love the way things are going. I just, I'm riding it out, man. Like, I don't know. Like, it's funny. Cause my dad is not like a motivational speaker kind of guy. Like he's super fun, whatever. But I remember specifically, like it's burned into my mind. Like we had a fire, like a bonfire at my dad's house once. And like, everyone went to bed earlier. And the only people that stayed up around the fire were me and my dad. And it was probably like two in the morning. And it's funny, we were cracking jokes and he was laughing at me. I was probably like, like 14, 15 years old or whatever. He just started looking around the yard for shit to burn. He was like, what can we burn? And like, keep going. And my sister had one of those little like Fisher price, like picnic tables. And we were like, fuck it, let's burn it. So we like threw it on the fire, burn it. And we had to like sit super far back because it was so hot and it was obviously horrible for the environment. Um, but we're just sitting there talking and it's like, I'm just having a great time with my dad, like just sitting there talking and like all of a sudden he gets real deep on me and it was weird. Cause it's not normally like something he talks about, but he was just like, he's like, you should just do like, you should just do whatever you want to do. Cause you never know, like you might, Have this whole plan, and I think at the time for him it was like he was talking about like eating healthy because he does not eat healthy at all. And he was like, he was like, why would I want to go to the gym and work out every day and like waste like half of my day doing this thing when tomorrow I could walk out in the street and get hit by a bus? And like just him saying that like stuck with me of like I should just do what I want now as much as I can because you never know. Like I could fucking dropped out of a heart attack tomorrow. Or I could step on from a bus. I
1: literally literally have that same mentality, right? Like, it's the truth, right? As long as you are alive, it could always be worse, right? Right. The ultimate worst thing is you being dead, right? So you always can be in a worse situation. I kind of live like that. So my question to you is, do you have any goals? Have you set any goals? Like, what is your next target?
2: Um, That's what I mean. I think think with goals, for me, they're always small goals. mm. They're always like... You know what can I accomplish in like two or three days, or what can I accomplish next week? And that's why when people talk about my shop now. It's like, dude, I've been working on this shit daily, like seven days a week, for like twelve, thirteen years now. It's not like I walked into the shop in like a year and I'm like, all right, this you're, is I'm at. You're an How do overnight do do
1: success. It only, it only took you. It only took you fourteen years to be right. an overnight. I'm success.
2: just saying that, like, I look at things and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, it would be nice in like a couple months is if we like redid the office, or it was like. Oh, now we have space where we can get another auto. It's not like I'm thinking, sitting down, I'm like in five years, I would like to have, that's why anytime anyone says like, what's your five-year plan or your 10-year plan or all this other stuff, I'm like, I have no fucking idea. Cause like so many roadblocks and so many things are going to come at me where like that plan could go totally to shit, like so fast. So So I, I do like achievable goals that are like quick.
1: I think for myself, I was kind of like the same before. Like I was just running around and running around and running around and I never, ever focused on doing anything. Right. Um, and then once I focused on doing something, which happened to be at the beginning of the 2020, I'm walking into 2020. Like I'm going to go attain this achieve this this huge goal for myself and. Then the pandemic hit, and to still hit that goal was like, whoa. Let me let me take a step back here. Let me really focus because before then, I had never set a goal. But then I I think which, similar to yourself, is like you always just do stuff that's in front of you, and then you might look to next week or maybe a month out. Like even right now, like somebody asked me to do something next month, I'm like, man, I can't think that far in advance.
2: You know, I don't the thing, know thing where is, you can you can think of a goal. You can be like, oh, I'd like to do this in five years, but I have the mentality of like yeah, that's cool. I'd like to get there. That'd be sweet. And I'll keep working to that goal. But if something happens and changes, I just want to easily be able to pivot to something else. I don't want like yeah. my soul to get crushed because my perfect straight line to this goal in five years didn't happen. Like I'm always just like, yeah, that'd be cool. And I'll like keep doing things, but I'm totally fine if something changes.
0: I think I'm the same. I think that um, I know that I was supposed to have a business plan before I started this place you know cuz people say where's your business plan i'm like I, I don't have one i know that i was supposed to have goals um, every year um still um, but i've never had i've never set a goal like maybe i think that maybe um i've i've um i've had like buying equipment and stuff like that i was like oh i i need, we need another press and i don't really set a goal like i want to do it by this date but i know in the back of the my, my mind that right like
2: you work you know, toward we're, it
0: that that we're, you know, we're, and we're hurting right now because we can't put enough shirts out and we're going to need another press at some point. But when is that point? I'm not sure. But I think that, um, I knew that, I guess, I guess my goal in the back of my mind was that I wanted to be able to have a shop that provided for me and my family. And and that was it. And I didn't know what that number was, but I knew that once I got there, that I, that it would feel right. And I did everything I could every day that I woke up and came into the shop to make that goal um, happen. You know, whether it was just taking care of this customer or taking care of that customer or helping a part of the team or building our team or buying the right equipment. You know, all these things along the way I knew were getting me to that same thing at the end, you know, just being able to take care of my family. So
1: I think um, I used like my goal throughout this process or throughout this journey to kind of like put me back on track right? So like, if my goal, just say my overall mission was to help people, right? So as things started to go forward, and sometimes I would like find myself veering off of this, this path, right? I'm veering off. And it may be, hey, man, you can have this store, you can have this supply store, you can jump into this and do that. All these opportunities that presented themselves to me, kind of like, I was like, oh, yeah, let's do it. I will put it here. I would go through all this homework. And then I'll be like, wait, that is so far away from the path that I'm supposed to be on. It would like snap me out of it. Nah, I'm too, I'm good off of that. I'll just keep going on this direction. But, you know, I was a, like I said, I was a person that never set goals that I never, I was just living day by day. Um, and I think I got so far caught up in it that I never got to enjoy anything that I was doing. Right. It was always just like, do this, do this, do this, do this.
2: Um, so you're saying for you setting a goal worked?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I wish I would have set goals earlier. And I'm literally saying this is 2020. Here I was. I started printing t-shirts and like taking shirts serious in 2011. The YouTube channel came in 2017. Here's 2020. And I'm like, I'm going to set a goal now. And to, you know, I had a goal setting making a hundred thousand dollars and actually seeing it, right. Like actually knowing that I made this amount of money because, you know, when you're running and you're hustling and you're doing different things, It goes in, it goes out. You never actually get to see a tangible amount of money when you're investing back into a business, you buy equipment. You never actually get to see it until you sit down at the end of the year and look at your books and say, wait, I mean, how much money? Where did it all go? Right. We all have those experiences through that, through the entrepreneurial journey. And it's about learning from them. But now it gave me something where it's like, man, if I, if I set out a goal now, you know, let my next goal, let's say it's $500,000. Now I just wake up every day and like, man, did I, or before I go to bed, I'm asking myself, did I do something that's going to get me closer to my goal? Yes or no. And now I need to adjust myself moving forward. But I think like, you know, I, I can't say setting goals is good or bad. Right. But like it's, it's been a world of a difference because it's kept me laser focused on like, you know, the things that I want to do now. And then, you know, I think as an entrepreneur, like I said, church was just a means to an end for me. You know, I, I never set out to just have be a great printer or anything like that. It was always a means to an end. So I'm more so of a, a serial entrepreneur of a sort throughout this journey. And I'm not afraid tomorrow. I may say, you know, hey, I think I already y- I grew my YouTube channel. I like I might say, hey, tomorrow yeah, it's over fat. I might go do something completely different. Right. But ultimately, the journey that I'm on uh, is for me to help people do the things that I'm doing. You know, it's, it's, printing shirts is like riding a bike to me. It's like I could go in a screen print shop and start putting squeegee anytime, Right. And I tell people, you know, you get a heat pressure, keep it in the back of your closet you know, you might just walk into $500 just because your job needs some shirts for an event or something like that. You may just walk into your kids' school needing shirts. Just from having that heat press and being able to understand how to do it, you can literally walk into money. So these are just like all tools in my tool belt.
2: So walk us through what happened to you in 2020. Like, what was your goal and what was it that you got?
1: The goal was to make $100,000. You know, like, it was like (laughs) to actually see the fact that I made, like, you know, I've had, like, you know, back when I was doing a shut account, that had twenty thousand dollars months in person and ten thousand online, and just a lot of money that was going in and out. But I was never nowhere near responsible with the money that I was making because of the way I was moving and doing different things. Right, um, my overhead was like next to none, so I would just go splurge out and go do different things and take care of everybody around me. And um, I invested a lot back into my uh, old college as well um, as I was doing those things, but. You know, as I looked for different opportunities, masks was one of those things that took off in 2020. So to be able to pull in revenue from masks and do different things like that, it all opened up and where I pretty much two times my goal at that given moment. You know, I think two and a half times the goal. And I actually was able to look at and see just because, you know, I was kind of more structured. I think that's one of the things that I would ask you guys, is like, if you were starting over from scratch, what would you do? I hear a lot of people talk about put systems in place. I didn't have a system, you know, I was just running off the top of my mind and through email, but you know, some of those things. So as I set these goals, I didn't know how I was going to do it. Honestly, I didn't know what was going to happen. And
2: That's the thing is that you don't know what you don't know. And it's easy. It's easy to ask that question to somebody who's in it and done it. And like, Mm -hmm. they're at the point where they can look back and be like, how would I do this differently? But it's the same thing as like you as a dad, you know, like you, you know, you experience something, you know, like, dude, this is not the fucking way to go about it. And you could tell your kid that and he's gonna be like, oh, OK, dad. And then he's yeah. going to fucking do that exact same thing that you told him not to do because he needs to experience it for himself. And that's the same thing with the business. Like right now, me and Andy can be like, oh, if we were to do this all over again, I would like sit at home in my underwear and I would contract this person. I would do this with this thing. But you wouldn't know any of that. Until until you got to where you are now, because you now have those connections and contacts and knowledge of like what's good and bad and how you can get away with that. So that's the hard thing is someone that I guess you need to have that mentor who's like, you can trust that's like been through that. That's just like, Hey, here's this playbook. Like this will work if you actually do it.
1: So I hired a girl, um, right in the beginning of, Right before the pandemic, I hired my first person, right? a little part-time employee come in um, and I hired her. and then the second day after I hired, I, I went to my mentor who shared a shop, I'm like, bro, why you didn't tell me that? You know I could have been making money and not slaving these hours with the heat press and doing all of these different jobs and stuff like that, stressing out. He was like, man... He wasn't ready it's <laughs> like you wasn't ready for the lesson you know in it and you had to kind of like experience it before you can get to it of a sort well, you wouldn't have
2: appreciated it as much if you did that first thing you know yep. and you would have you wouldn't know what to do and what to tell her and how to fix things with her and everything else like you wouldn't have known it's like you need to experience that
1: sometimes what happens is we, this is where i'm saying the same thing about getting caught up in what you're doing right like you get caught up in it and you don't realize that there's things that you should be looking to do of a sort. It's like even like when they, what the ladies were saying about the corporate world, right? It's like you get in the, the the chase of the money and you start like, OK, cool. And you buy more things and now you need more money to afford your lifestyle. So it makes leaving it even harder. Like, you know, maybe you're making 80, 90, 100 thousand dollars a year corporately and then. Leaving it means you go back down to 60, but the 60 you making just looks a lot different and then you're able to build it up over time. Uh, but it's the same thing in your business. A lot of uh, people who are running their shops by themselves, which is what I found myself doing, is like, you know, you're so used to doing the work and you look at, you know, how much something is going to cost you. Like, this employee is going to cost me to bring somebody in. I can't afford to bring them in. I can't afford to pay that amount because I'm going to lose this little bit. But until you actually do it on something... You don't really understand that. Like, it's not how much that person is going to cost you. It's like, how much, what can I do more with my time? That shift between cost versus time and what you spend your time doing is once you make that, I feel like the whole, whatever is next becomes, it unlocks like, you know, I hear a lot of- That's
0: really tough though. That's really tough because I think the the two reasons why somebody doesn't add their first employee is number one, uh, delegation, because they don't want to delegate that work and they feel like, um, that person's not going to do a good of job as you can do it. And so they're, they're, they're scared to to put that off on somebody else. And then the second reason is exactly what you just said. It's probably the most popular reason is that, wait a second, this is going to cost me money when actually it's going to make you money, make you more money, you know, and make your life even better because what you just said is you're going to work on different stuff. You know, instead of standing at the heat press for eight hours a day, you're able to work on your company, market your company, or help customers better. You know, instead of blowing off a customer or not answering an email for a quote, you can get to that faster. And so initially you think, oh, this is going to cost me. I'm going to take a step back. And that's true because it does cost you at first, but then all of a sudden it opens up lots more opportunities. So those are the two reasons I think people don't do it. And when they do do it, they're like, oh my God, just like you did. Like, why didn't I do that? Why didn't I do that before?
2: Yeah, It's tough though. So I want to go back to, uh, when you decided that you didn't want to screen print and you want you to go towards more transfers, what was your thought process on that? And like, what did you pick and like, do you know, can you tell us now, like you went with just this kind of vinyl from this place and then you ended up going to, I guess where you are now with like super color stuff.
1: The the vinyl wasn't The vinyl was just The vinyl business, right? Just just local stuff It doesn't change too much You pick and choose Where you want to go But I think the transfers For me was the thing Because first off I could teach anybody How to press a, He press something In like literally Like 25, 30 minutes And be comfortable Walking away, right? Uh, and I'm pretty sure I don't know if you guys would have friends Like, oh man If you're ever struggling For work, like Oh man, I come print I love to print I'll do it, no problem I want to learn right? And then that person really doesn't understand the commitment that goes into it. So even if you put a week or two into trying to get them up to speed, they're really not for the print shop. Like it's just, it's almost like a specialized individual that will stick around and and print and reclaim screens and do those things. Um, So for myself, like I said, I wasn't tied down to a print method. It was more so of like, let me deliver this product. My customer base really doesn't care um, and so once I started to experience transfers and, you know, the bulk orders, the customs were one thing. Cutting vinyl was, you know, cutting vinyl and screen printing don't even compare, in my opinion, because, you know, the customization option that you have versus the amount of money that you get to make in bulk is two different things. But, you know, hey, when you are in when you start now and you're looking at twenty five dollars a shirt and you're looking at four shirts in an hour, you're looking at like eighty dollars in profit it seems like a good business, right? It seems like, you know, ain't nobody going to work and making this amount of money if you can do it consistently, right? Um, on the other hand, in screen print, if you, let's just say, you know, you profit $5 and you can do, you know, I've done 100 shirts in an hour, but let's just say you can only do 50 because you just start now, you're not comfortable, you know, profiting $5 off of 50 shirts is $250 in that same hour. And then you start to understand there's a shift in like, you know, which would I rather be doing? Working with these people that's giving me headaches, Customs and all of that stuff, or doing more bulk orders. Um, but to shift away from screen printing for myself, it was just like the headache, the space, and then trying to find somebody to become a printer, right?
2: The actual manufacturing.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, that's what made, gave me the shift. And I'm doing a lot of stuff like clothing brands and one-offs and producing ideas and being able to not tie up inventory per se when I'm fulfilling this different stuff for people. It became something very, very interesting for me because I had one inventory of shirts, a bunch of designs, and I could just start to fill these orders how I needed them to.
2: Okay. So how did you get involved with Supercolor?
1: That was in 2020, so I walked in. Actually, um, somebody tagged, uh, an audience member tagged myself, Brando and Reyes on the same post. Uh, And it's funny because Brando's like 20 minutes from there and Reyes is like three hours from there and I'm on the East Coast. So this was my only opportunity. I flew into uh, Long Beach at the time um, and I was just walking around and I remember two places I wanted to go visit um which was Printer supply warehouse over there because i thought they had like a dope brand they came out of nowhere with the graffiti and stuff like that so i just had to go there uh and then i dm super again and i said hey i'm in town i don't know where i'm at i'm walking around with a suitcase <laughs> getting on a public bus and I, that's how i showed up the Printer supply warehouse and they were like hey man come through and talk let me see so i'm always a person that has to check out the product um so i went i checked it out and i was like wow you know, this would have been perfect because I think about all of these jobs that I couldn't do at the time, right? Like right. doing a lot of custom stuff, doing transfers already. And now I was like, well, I didn't really like these 613 transfers. I didn't like what they came out like. I didn't want to go back to the yogurt shop that we printed for. Uh, it was one of the videos on my channel, I printed for a yogurt shop. Like they had to reorder and it was the best that I had to offer outside of like doing like a, it would have probably been like an eight color, you know, screen print job. So, and I walked in, seen the product, I tested it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, wow, this is a game changer. It's my feeling on, it's like almost literally love at first sight. Seriously. Right. Um, and so that kind of like is what happened from that standpoint. Uh, we talked. I made some videos, and you know the the people on YouTube gravitated towards it, uh, and you know it became what it's become. It's awesome.
0: When we went to um, ISS Long Beach, we checked out of our hotel and we were gonna stay longer. We we're gonna stay, we, at the time we thought we were just gonna stay like four or five days. We had gone to the convention and now we're gonna have some fun, right? And so we, we checked out, we got, had our suitcases. And before we went to our hotel, our other different hotel, we, we uh, stopped at a dispensary. And, but we had our suitcases. And we're like, well, this is kind of can be weird, but whatever. And so we got out of our Uber, rolled our suitcases into the dispensary <laughs> to find out there were like a hundred other people doing the same thing. Like, I guess that's a thing. Like people fly to California because it's legal and well, you, they, they, have they just wanted suitcases. to fill
2: their suitcase with the dispensary <laughs>
1: items.
0: <laughs> Yeah to close. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. No, but like that's a thing, you know, you can check your bag right there, then just walk in and 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 get in line. But um, (laughs) just remind me of that story. That's all. Um
2: so what's what's your YouTube channel like now? Is it still the same format where you're just kind of documenting your days or do you have plans of like, okay, I want to do a video on this. I want to do a video on this.
1: Um, I've done like, you know, unboxing of heat presses and different things because people started to ask stuff like that. But my content has totally changed over sort because I'm not printing day to day. Right. Like even the shop that I'm doing right now, uh, I'm training a girl to, to do most of the work at this given moment through transfers. And we're trying to perfect the process and different things like that. It's been a challenge all in itself. Um, but my, my channel is more shifted of a sort to more motivational, more stuff like the journey and different things that I'm struggling with, things that I'm trying to do. Um, I came up against the wall because I do everything. My, I've done everything up pretty much to myself. minus is hiring that girl. And now what I'm trying to do now is to do that all over again, but to have a better system to go through. Um, so what ended up happening was I'm looking in the face of like, I'm traveling to teach and go meet and go to these conventions and stuff like that. But my local business is dying because I, I'm not around to fill these orders. Right. I'm sending orders to different people. Um, so between that and the pandemic, I kind of didn't print anything almost throughout that whole time. Uh, I ended up in the hospital for a good period of time. Um, and so it was like a struggle. Right. And I'm looking at this like, Hey. Do I build this local business or do I keep traveling and doing some of the things that I'm doing right now? And I right. decide that like I need more to do both. Yeah, I need to do both. Right. Um, and so the only way I can do both is to hire somebody and to build a team and to have somebody in this store to operate on a day to day basis when I'm not around so that I can go focus on some of the other things that I'm trying to do. Um, right now, I'm trying to have a, a influence, a happy hour at uh, at the Long Beach Convention this year. You know, one of the nights I and mean, it's not two nights. So I got a lot of other things that I want to put my energy into. Um, but I was even like maybe two weeks ago, I sat my I got two two girls on my team. And I'm just like I sat them down. It's like, listen, if you guys can not make this make money, if you guys aren't going to commit to what is going on, I'm going to just give the shop away. And I, here I put a hefty amount of change into making this thing look and do what I wanted to do. But really looking at what's in front of me is like, I can't do everything, you know, and I'm so used to doing everything and I'm probably I'm maxed out on time. I could probably make some more money, right? I could probably make some deals that are better and do some different things. But ultimately, I can't do any more thing, anything else with my time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they've been taking initiative since I think it's been maybe a month, two weeks is too short, but maybe a month ago. They've been taking initiative to do some things. So I'm I'm excited about where that's headed now. Um, and it's a huge part of what I do. But my shift now has been more getting people into the industry, more educating people and more on trying to do some of those things to really affect change in people's lives. That's awesome. So. You're the
2: goals, man. So what uh, what's your new goal now?
1: Oh, man. So my new goal is first, this event is part one of that goal. This event at Long Beach uh, to service like, you know, pre-print hustlers, pre, you know, person that is before Shirt Lab, before any of these conventions. Uh, I want to service the people getting started. Right. I need to I want to service those people at this show and then even bigger to have a convention. So those two things are things that are possible, um, that I'm working towards. And then the next thing would be to have an actual training facility, uh, and have it funded and, and, and do some different things in that space.
2: Now you're trying to do training and all that on different ways and how, how that you can have that side hustle with t-shirts.
0: Yep. And and this one. is the perfect time right now because, like, imagine if you were getting into the industry right now, 2021, and you have super color or, or things like that, you know, DTF and DTG, because right years ago you didn't have that option. I mean, yeah, you had vinyl, and that's kind of how you started. There wasn't supercolor around when you started, it was vinyl, which which provides vinyl a good and supercolor solution. is a
2: big difference.
0: There's <laughs> a big difference, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, you're right. I mean, you could have a t shirt side hustle. And um produce really like first class quality stuff, you know, and, and give that to your customer instead of not that I'm not trying to like shit on vinyl because that's still good, but it's way different than mm-hmm. than uh, supercolor. So well, it's just think-
2: like with with supercolor and us as mm-hmm. it was we contacted them and got like a sample pack about the whole thing and it was kind of like we get so many people that are just like, "Hey, I want to do twenty shirts, or I want to do fifteen shirts, or whatever." And they're like, "Well, I want to do a clothing line, and I want to do this twelve color print." And we're like, "Dude, there's no way the we are changed. printing that." Yeah, the
1: artwork, the artwork, and the graphic designer has truly changed, and it's all digital stuff, right? It's all fifteen colors and
2: right, a fade 15, on every right? color. It's,
1: yeah, it's it's all changed these days, and that's where I really see the benefit to what super color hat right because even like myself I'm a self-taught graphic designer of a sort but I'm designing everything in one color and then I'll add you know like that's the screen printer in you yeah yeah no I think even beforehand like just because I learned graphic design before I even touched t-shirts but just in the natural sense of like that was how I learned a logo needed to stand out as a one color just what I learned you know naturally but it's all changing. Nobody's using any of them old rules and, and laws. And oh, what's going
2: no, because it's-, it's so much easier to, it's so much easier to take a picture and post it on Instagram and put 10 filters on it and then be like, Oh, this is what I want on my shirt. Instead of being like, you know, it's way more people doing stuff on their phone than it is people sitting down in illustrator or Photoshop and actually making like a custom design. They're more just like, oh, I made this thing. It's really cool. Or it's the people who send you the custom ink mock-ups. They're like, hey, I made this design. It's like, no, no, you didn't. You went on someone else's website and put some clip art together and you send it to me from their website with their logos all over it. Um, Those are the people where I feel like it works really well because you could just be like, all right, cool. Let me clean this up as best I can. I'll make some of these transfers and then we'll just get it done for you. But we've used it in a couple instances where uh, it was just kind of a pain in the ass to attempt to print or the detail. in it was so fine and so weird that we were like, if we were to screen print this, we don't think we could achieve this. Like I had a buddy who his son has cancer and they they were making shirts and he had some like famous artist send them a design of like their son. Like it was all like beautifully shaded, like hand drawn uh, his son on like a skateboard and he had like a like a Superman cape and like all this stuff. And it was like, everything just had like that colored pencil, like shade to it. And I was like, if we screen print this, it's all going to be halftones. Like, yeah, we could probably get it to be really cool, but it's probably gonna be like 14 colors, like all this stuff. And we ended up doing a pre sale, And I think they sold like, I don't know, like 150, 200 shirts. And we just ordered them all from super color. We were just like, I feel like this would work really, really well for this. And the transfers came in and we heat pressed them all and they came out perfect. Like they looked really, really good. So I think for stuff like that, that you're just like, you know, you could screen print it, but you also know it's going to be a pain in the ass. Uh, it worked out pretty well for that.
1: Yeah. It's funny because, like, you know, super colors position in this thing is, is become really, really interesting, right? It's almost super color versus, everything of a sort uh, when actually the way that they view themselves is like, Hey, just call us when you need us. You know, it's well, like,
2: that's what I'm saying is it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's the same as why I say we would go to a digital squeegee and screen printing or why we use plus Solve versus water base. It's really based on the artwork that the customer sends. Like if we look at it and we're like, what's the best possible method to make this print look cool? That's our goal is like, you know, let's do plus or water base or digital or something like a transfer.
0: Yeah, we decided, um, for us because we can print a lot of colors, but we decided that, and the reason why we're using super color so much more now is that we don't want to print anything over eight colors ever again. <laughs> um, I guess if there's thousands and thousands, it would make sense, but we ordered, uh, another press and it's a 14 color. And it has so. in, in theory, we could run um, eight colors, three flashes, three cools, makes fourteen. And so, anything over eight, we'll just go super color. Um, anything that's under fifty quantity, like at a like a thirty piece or a forty piece, that's maybe six color or more. You know, and, and because we don't burn six screens until you hit fifty, but anything under fifty. We'll just go Supercolor. And then the third reason or the third time we're going to use color is like the garment style. You know, like let's say it's a jacket that's a windbreaker or yep. it's a tracksuit or something that Same thing. Supercolor really works well on that would be a bitch to screen print, you know? So, mm, I, I mean, I think that's for a shop, a shop with presses and that, that can print. Uh, we also have a vinyl cutter. I mean, we can do vinyl, but color makes sense. I mean, there's a spot just like you said, when we need it, you know, not for everything um, because it's interesting when you said, Hey, when you guys, like, if you were to start over, what would you do? It crossed my mind to say, well, I would just probably buy 10 heat presses, like shuttle presses and just get all heat transfer vinyl. I mean, um, I like because you know, it's so hard, what you're saying earlier, it's so hard to, to train somebody to become a screen printer. It's a skill. And it's a skill that you can't learn in a week or a month. And um, I would argue it takes a solid year before you are pretty decent. Um, Whereas, you know, heat transfer, you have to, you you can train them in a day, you know? And so I would probably do that. And, you know, it would cost so much less. It would take up so much less space. You don't need a giant 30 foot dryer. I mean, it's just, Dude, yeah, know. that's probably what I do.
2: I I love screen printing, and I'm going to try to print as much as possible, but yeah. I also, like I said, I feel like it has a place, and there was always that customer or that set of customers that needed something that you just were, like, dreading to print, um, and now it's an option where you could just do that, do that Yeah, transfer you,
1: you got You guys are way more further advanced than I ever was, right? Like, I've done four five, six colors. And I'm like, I'll never do this again. (laughs) I never wanted to see more than two colors. Just, just from, you know, my experience and how I learned and the stuff that we did locally here. Um, We never really got into like the, the huge halftone stuff. We did some halftone stuff, um, but we never got into those like larger multicolored jobs. And I never wanted to just because I always felt like the more colors, just the more time it took, and it was just like, I just got lost spinning the wheel, right? On and a manual
0: just, press, that's true. On a yeah, manual yeah, press, yeah. that's true. Automatic, it doesn't yeah. matter.
2: Well, you yeah. go automatic, definitely. Yeah. My thing with the high color count stuff is it's a challenge and it's rewarding. Like for us, day to day, like, yeah, it's cool when you get a cool design that's a one color and it looks cool. Like, I can appreciate that. Like, I do appreciate that. And the printers like it because it's quick and easy setup. But the, also, the truth of it is... When we get stuff in that's just like really rad design, and it's like a fourteen color print, we like to see it where okay, say it comes in, it's really cool looking print, a really good artist did it, and it's set up correctly for us. Is it's like a nice high res image, and the guy like set it correctly. You know, we can take it, and Brian, the artist, is just like, yeah, this is gonna be a real fun one to make to sep. You know, we figure out the colors, we figure out how we want to lay it out, where we want to put the flashes everything else we get it on press and you you get that first test print and you're like dude this, this looks it. amazing like i'm so glad we did this that is like the high we get like a couple times a week with those kind of jobs and it's it's rewarding like those are the shirts that you see cuz almost every staff member here goes out to the test like not the test the the like blank shirt stock and like grabs a shirt and throws it in the order and then you'll get one yeah. that's when you know it's a good print and they're fucking stoked to be here is because they went and grabbed a shirt because they're going to own it and take it home, and it's funny like all the shirts that we see these guys wear and like that are in the print shop, they're all those like high color count, complicated jobs that they feel like they accomplished. You know, what I mean? level, feel,
1: it's a different level of respect.
2: Yeah, like, they feel like respect, all right, we did
0: respect.
1: this. Yeah, I mean yeah. if
0: you're if you're charging for it and you're you can afford a lot of times if you have over eight colors you're gonna have to spin more than once you know and so i feel like i would rather do
2: i feel like i would rather do 12 or 14 color prints all day long than do some of these jobs that are for like fitness people that are like a location here a location here a location here a location here a location here, a location here Neck not. tags folded bag i was like i would rather just do a fucking Gildan tee with a 12 color print on it all day long before i do that other stuff
1: I think, I think I'm the opposite, right? Like I only need that feeling once, like, give me some dope stuff to do and let me go through the challenges and figure it out. I only need to have that feeling once because I could, I, now I know I could do it right. Like just, I know I can do it. All I need to prove at the end of the day, I just want to get the things off the press and, and make the money as fast as possible. And so I kind of like, it. again, I've only printed auto, maybe three times. You know, I've never owned one myself or had one in the shop that I was really running. I went places and ran them, uh, like loaded them of a sort. Right. So I never became like that specialist, uh, but I just would never like once I printed a six color job one time, it was like, I'd never want to do this again. And, you know, what you was talking about earlier is like there's so many directions you can go. You figure out what you like and what you don't like. And once I figured out, like, I don't want to do something, it's like <laughs> I'm doing everything in my power. Right had to go past a two color design, right? And yeah. that was just because financially it just made more sense that I could get. Oh,
2: yeah. One colors money thing. wise, money wise, it makes a lot of sense. I'm just saying I like it for the fact that this is the career I'm in and it's the yeah. challenge and it's the craft. Like, I really like the craft of printing. It's I feel like it's kind of like that, uh, you know, that construction worker, or that contractor that who has to build a home from scratch. It you could just that. be like, fuck it. Let's just do roofs all day long. And every day he goes to work, you know what it is? It's carry panels up the ladder, screw the panels down, carry panels up the ladder, screw panels down. He could look at that and be like, hey, fuck it. It's easy money. Like I could just do the panels all day. But then there's that guy who like looks at an open field and is like, I created this home, like the entire thing. Yeah, but for
0: Stan, it sounds like Stan's more of a teacher, you know, because he wants
1: to teach people No, I get it. I'm just saying
2: that's a different path. Like it's two totally different things. Like he's looking at it as like a business.
1: The and an opportunity space, to make money. The unique space that I am is that I got so much respect for that. Right. Like when I was a photographer and, you know, I went and developed film one time just once to have the experience. Right. And um, it's funny because my mentor's mentor still has the light box. and He used to lay the letters out and cut them out with my hand and do all this placement and stuff like he's been printing way longer than anybody I know. Right. Um, but I want him to teach me one day. He's like, man, I just don't got the time right now to do it because, you know, now everything's so fast. But like the respect factor for doing work that you're talking about is at an all time high. I just don't want to live there. Right. Like no, I, I get it. I, totally I get lot of it. Right? <laughs> like even even when I think about what I do now is like, if you look at some of the stuff that crafters make, they're like the artists of our industry. Like, how did you have the time to think about that, to do that, to figure it out and you don't even care, you're not even gonna make no money off of this, it makes no sense to me. But the respect level, like when I see those TikToks and them showing how they did it and the, I'm like, man, that is fascinating to watch. But I just don't know how you had the time to do it. Right. It's like, no, nah, I think, you know, you find both, both places. And I think you gotta find a happy medium and, and whatever it is that you enjoy doing, because if you weren't doing some of that stuff that you like and you got the respect level for you feel like you want to do all the time, if you weren't doing some of that stuff, it wouldn't be a filling job. you just yeah. be like, exactly. That's exactly, like did, that's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, we
2: could pick, we could do the super calculated, you know, let's only take these jobs. Let's only take these jobs because they make money. But I would be so fucking bored all day at work. Like I would just be staring at the wall. I'd be like, I have cool. We're printing shirts, but like I could care less what we're printing and what we're doing all day long. Yep. So to me, it's like, I need that balance of like, yeah, we're making money and we're doing things efficiently. But like, we're also like doing things that we're all like fucking pumped on. Driving the industry. So um, while we're at that time, do you uh, do you have any questions for us?
1: Oh, man, I think I want to ask
2: a couple of them.
1: Yeah, I want to know what you guys would do. Right. Like, so my audience, I, I tell my audience, man, you know, you start here and you can literally go. As far as you want to go, right? Like when I was at Print Hustlers, you know, I saw, sat and talked to my um, guy from, was it, I think actually Bruce just ran a story on him, but he watched all of these YouTube channels, mine included, two years ago, didn't know anything about print. Uh, but now he's, you know, he did five, pretty much $500,000 in sales this year. And like that growth factor... Uh, that you can literally take this as far as you want to go. If you never want to leave your garage, then that's perfectly fine. If you want to get to a shop with two autos or five autos, you can go that far. But my question to you guys with two huge successful shops uh, is what would you do? What would you do? Where would you start? Like if you could have had a cleaner start from where you started at right now, what are like the first three things that you would do? What would you implement earlier? Is it the systems? It's different things like that.
2: So you're saying if I had a time machine and I could go back to when I very first started, what would I do versus what I did? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like a lot of it for me and the time that we started, we didn't have half of the shit that's out now. Like you're saying like the super colors or the transfers, stuff like that. When I first started, it was like the band world of like you are saying like, one or two color oversized prints on the front of a shirt, and you just you know you're selling it all day long. So I feel like if I had to do anything differently, I would probably save a little bit more money and buy better equipment than what put I you, first started put, with.
1: Put yourself in right now. You start from scratch right now. Oh, all right in. now. Let's okay. let's 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 make it a little easier. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> if I was starting right now and I had no money and I was just trying to get into the business, I think I would do kind of like what I did when I started the button company was buy something I could afford and at least get started so when I when I started the button company what I did is I just took a couple hundred bucks that I had off of extra off of a paycheck and I bought the button press and I bought a thousand parts I didn't have the printer I didn't have like any laminators or anything I just could get something and get going so then I went to fucking Kinko's like every other day to get the buttons made there, like get the sheets made because I didn't have a printer yet. So I feel like what I would do now if I was just getting into this industry is save my money and get a good heat press, not a eBay heat press, not a fucking cheap piece of shit that doesn't heat well. I would probably go to like something like a hot, like a stalls or something and get their... Their fusion. uh, The fusion. And then I would probably just start marketing toward people that i could buy super color transfers for like honestly or if it was i feel like if it was gonna be like a one or a two color transfer or something like that i'd probably do like a transfer express screen printing transfer um and then what i would do though like i said is i don't want to do that as my constant i want to use that as a tool so i feel like what i would do is i would just do that until i had enough money to afford the next piece of equipment so I would be like, all right, cool. Well, I got enough money saved up. I'm going to go buy a, a six color Riley Hopkins or something. And then the next thing you would do is you'd buy a flash and then you would get enough money and you'd buy a small dryer. And then I would probably just grow that way. Um, when I first started back then, the, very, the only thing I knew was screen printing. So the first thing I did is I bought a, uh, a silver press and I bought a used dryer. And we just went right to screen printing and it was like, all right, we're doing nothing but four color and underprints, which didn't matter in the band world because that's what most of them were. Yep. So we just did the same thing. I bought what I had with the money I had. And then every year or whatever, we bought more and more equipment as we could afford it.
1: I think that's I think that's perfect because you always gotta start where you are, where you have, what you right. got.
2: What can I, I feel for- like the, the the problem here though for- is that some people get the mentality of the fact that like credits available. Yeah, but they don't deserve it yet. You know what I mean? Like there's people who deserve like credit because they worked hard for it, but there's other people who are just like, ah, fuck it. Like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And they go get like a hundred thousand dollars in debt and they don't start off roughing it at all. They're like, okay, cool. I'm going to go buy never screen printed before. Let me go buy an eight color auto and a big dryer and everything they need to start a screen printing shop. You shouldn't have for at least like five years.
1: Five years. Yeah. And I I would, I would agree. So Andy, I'm gonna ask you, I'm I'm asking you the same question in different structure. What would you have implemented in your like looking at where your shop is now, is there anything that you could you know say, hey, if I would have did this earlier, I would have got here a lot faster?
0: Um I always say CTS, but that's a bo- so that's a boring, uh boring answer. I was gonna say um if I started over today or tomorrow let's say that i've I've already done the custom screen printing thing and so i for for me that would be boring to do that again and the riches are in the niches so i would go and i wouldn't have a front door you like that dylan you know Mm -hmm. you know i creep dylan out like uh, i don't know four Mm -hmm. or five times an episode that's probably one of them but uh I would I would I would not have a front door I would not have a phone and I would pick the cu- the clients that I want to print for and that is it. And so there would be completely different business model. You know because now we have we have such uh, a support team for a custom screen printing shop. I mean there's a lot of people that have deep. to support that. <clears throat> Right now, yeah, we're too deep. We're custom shop, and we can shift. And we started to. We, we've already started that by um, upping our our minimums and and um, shifting over to uh, who we're working for and doing less contract work. But I mean, I really like that idea because I do like the craft of screen printing, and I think it would be really rad to have, you know, selective clients and just print that, and that's it. Um, that trust in us. And the way we in um, and, and our in and our skills, like our knowledge, like to trust in us to print the, their merch. That's what I would do. Um, as far as implementing stuff, I think that. Um, yeah, starting over, I would have an SOP for everything, <laughs> yeah. you know, I would find the time for, uh, for SOPs so that when I do train people, when people do come here, they not only have their two week. Uh, like itinerary of here's what we're going to do for the first two weeks and here's what we're going to work on. And this is our goal at the end of the two weeks. But I would have that, um, which I did create for like our customer service team, but I don't have that for every single team. And so we once upon a time had binders for every spot, like a press assistant and a and a designer and so on. So they, so they had their binders that they had to learn in order to, um, and we would, we would set a time. We would set like a 60 day or a 90 day uh, training period where um they're hired in at this compensation and they get an increase in compensation if they uh, get certified and so you know they they knew that they had a goal to hit um after a certain amount of time and they would get and they were motivated by um you know by extra compensation and so i think that i mean i didn't do that originally that was like at year 8 let's say you know what i mean and so i think if you had that sort of stuff early on um where you have real training and um SOPs for everything I think it would make it would have made my life so much easier uh every time we added a person
1: I think that's that's interesting because I think a lot of people could use that information a sort, right like I'm sitting down writing SOPs right now as I'm just like even the simplest thing like all right here's how you cut mine like, here's how you do all of this stuff and we're writing them as I as I train this girl because I don't want to be back in the same situation when somebody else comes in. It's super interesting that like, you know, it's funny because when you have no formal business training and then you start, to, I'm pretty sure you guys have a conversation with people who got bigger shops. And you like, they start talking about stuff and you're like, man, I'm right there right now, right? Like I'm doing <laughs> these things right now. And then you see the parallels in your journey and so many other people's journey that. You know, it's like it's just sometimes like a pat on the back, like, all right, I might be doing the right thing in this Mm -hmm. specific instance of the sort.
2: I think one other thing I would do is I would get some kind of consulting or someone in earlier to, like, get bad habits out earlier on. You know what I mean? I feel like you get to a certain point, like you said, you're self-taught. Most shops are all self-taught or the owner thinks he knows everything there is to know. And then he kind of like floods that into everyone else. I feel like. Maybe like year five, when we were starting to get like kind of consistent, I probably should have had someone in like a Ryan or somebody and just been like, Hey, show me what, you know, and tell me what I'm doing wrong. And then build off of that instead of being, you know, 10, 12 years deep and then find out you've done some stuff horribly wrong for 10 years.
0: Yeah. But at that time you think to yourself, Oh man, that's going to cost me $10,000 to bring somebody in $10,000. Right. But that's bad. the but, thing though, too, is but that's that- the
2: thing doing spending that money is going to save you a ton of money too and make you a lot more money so that's what i'm saying it's it's one of those things again where i feel like you can't fucking tell somebody that unless they're going to be like i believe everything you say because they won't they're going to be like yeah but that was you and this is me and it's going to be different for me and it never is it's all we
1: can do is show them the way. And that yeah. they decided they're not, right? Like, but again, that goes back to that mindset shift that I'm talking about. And that's what, like, when I say my content has changed the resort, it's more so like thinking of like these little lessons and different things, man. It would help somebody out like greatly if they took you the information. All we can do is deliver them that information, right? And like once you have that shift in your mind, it may just start with that employee of like me sitting outside and not doing nothing and making a couple dollars and like, man, I should have been this a long time ago. But then once you have one of those epiphanies, right, everything else will start to make sense. So now if I'm, if I'm on my platform and I'm saying, listen, guys, you know, change your mind, stop thinking about how much something is going to cost you and start thinking about how you're going to make more money because of it. And then you come along you like, man, I would have hired somebody to come take a look at my shop and all of the stuff that I'm doing Who's been way more successful than I am, you know, ahead of me, but can help me get to where I want to go? I would have brought them in at year five. So now, maybe, just maybe, they hear from me, they hear from you, to hear, you know, they hear a couple of times. They're like, you know, hey, I'm at year four, year five. Why not go ahead and 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 take a look and let's bring this consultant in to take a look at what we're doing? And I think you know, this is the stuff that I like about this community is where it's like everybody's experience, and I, I can tell that you guys are still learning and still, you know, going through some different things, but anybody willing to share a piece of their journey to help somebody else go along the way, you know, it only takes one, man. When you, when, if I go back to why I started my YouTube channel, I just hope that every video that I put out helped one person. And here I am 90,000 something people later in subscriber count, but you know, it's just been that journey. And once you get a message saying, you know, Hey, man, I, I watched that podcast with, you know, Stan and you guys and Shirt Show and I watched it and I heard him say I need to bring a consultant. You know what? I bought a consultant in that next week and this is literally the stuff that happens. You know, I go I go out and collaborate and stuff.
2: We get that quite a bit. We get stuff in our DMs or whatever and I was like, oh, I've listened to every episode or I've listened to, I listened to this episode and you know, I realized that you could order this thing or do this thing and it's like changed the way we do stuff and I'm just like, fuck yeah. Like <laughs> To me, it's you know what I mean? It's like to me, I'm just bullshitting with Andy and you right now. Like I'm just sitting here talking, shop, dicking around when someone else is like actually listening, being like, holy shit, that makes a lot of sense. And I didn't think of it that way. And then it actually changes like the way they do business or the way they operate. It fucking blows my mind.
1: Yeah, man. I think you know that's that's what I'm after, man. I'm after that impact. You know, if I had to sum up myself and what I'm on, what I'm trying to do right now is just to impact people's lives. Um, and, you know, that comes through, you know, exactly what you're talking about, you know, sitting on live, having conversations and, you know, you guys invite me on your platform to hear my perspective. And hopefully one day you guys, you know, maybe at Long Beach, we get to sit down in a room and I get to, to bring you guys on my platform and and we get to share some of your story. And we never know who is going to help, you know? Yeah. So this thing for me has become way bigger than t-shirts just because of those messages, you know, those messages keep me going. Those messages, when i was lives, man away. yep. cheers to that.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Quick takes, Andy? Um, I wanted, before we got to quick takes, I wanted to see if he could give us one shop hack, one super color shop hack.
1: One super color shop hack super color is so great man i would say (laughs) that's all he says (laughs) i I would say you know look at how you can add it for things that you normally would say no to right like some of the things that i see people do and seen it used for is the bags and and different like car hearts and stuff like that that have been very very challenging to decorate and that's some of the stuff that i hope to show more of coming up but like you know if you don't have an embroidery you know, set up in your shop. You got a small shop. You're outsourcing. That's a nice way. If you got a brewery shop with no screen print or different things like that, that's a nice way to implement it into your shop. Uh, and you know, that's kind of it.
2: That's, good. Oh, that's perfect. Um, Andy, did you set this up? So you go first. Is that why he says Andy? That's why. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Holy shit! You did your research beforehand.
0: I know. It's weird, right? Yeah. Um. So. Stan, what's one thing you need every morning? Uh, my phone. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Dylan.
2: Mm-hmm. Dude, I, I know it's horrible, and I, I, I think it's funny. <laughs> every time I get those like weekly reports now or whatever from like my phone, it's like, oh, your screen time was ten hours today or whatever. It's just like, oh god, you're telling me I looked at my phone for ten <laughs> hours today. <laughs> For me, uh, yeah. for me,
1: when I when I wake up, I play a game. I'm super competitive, so I play this one game. I'm trying to catch up to my girlfriend. She's at like level 700. We both got there, but I they kicked me off her phone. So I play this game every morning, but it's more like competitive to get my juices flowing of a sort. I hate losing, so um, Is it two dots. I if, huh? Is it two dots? No, what I don't even play. I honestly don't even know the name of it, and it's on that. <laughs> be on the phone that you guys are on right now uh somebody some jewel game or something like that okay
2: okay. yeah i uh i don't know it's just like that habit of like when I, as soon as i wake up and open my eyes i like roll over check my phone see what the weather is see what the time is i check instagram because i have dms usually or then i'll check facebook and it will tell me like whose birthday it is today or whatever and then i'll text that person and say happy birthday it's just like
1: i'm not doing all that
2: that's my first <laughs> thing as soon as I wake up in the morning. All right, next question. Uh, what show are you currently watching?
1: Uh, BMF. What is that? Um, it's a gangster movie. It's, uh, it's the Black Mafia. It's like, uh, yeah. Is it a show or a movie? It's the show um, on Hulu. It's like a 50 cent show. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. About Big
2: Meech. I think I think my dad told me to watch that.
0: He watches. He watches a ton of stuff. I do too. Andy. All right. Next question is: Beach trip or mountain trip?
1: Take me to the beach all day long.
0: <laughs> now, do you go
2: in the water, or you just want to lay on the beach?
1: I go in the water. I go out. Um, I can swim pretty good. I would like to learn how to surf, but I don't, but you know, my family sits on the beach. I go out in the water.
0: Um I just can't. Do they do have the beaches? Water. Do they have beaches in Delaware?
1: Yeah, about uh two hours south. That's not too far. Not at all. Yeah. I just don't like going in the
2: water.
0: Got too. do yeah, we know Dylan. We know the sharks. It's
2: terrifying. <laughs> um what advice would you give your younger self?
1: just keep going, man. You know, just keep going. I think uh, I've been very, very fortunate that I never, ever put my head down. I never felt sorry for myself no matter, you know, what I went through. And, uh, you know, my mom would tell you that you don't do anything good enough or long enough to be great at it. Right. And I just say, you know, nah, mom, I just figured out what wasn't for me. Right. I like
2: how, I like how you messed up. And you said my mom would tell me I'm never good enough.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would never do anything long enough to be good at it, but you know, I I always would try stuff. I was never afraid to try something different. You know, Mm -hmm. for me, it was photography. uh, Well, actually computer repair, web design, graphic design, photography, then t-shirts. So here I'm on, I had like a lot of little things that I did in between there, but these are all serious things that I tried to have businesses at. I never failed at one of them. They all made me money, but I just wasn't, you know, some something throughout that journey kind of was like, yo, yeah, this ain't it no more. You know, it might've been like two options and which one's making me more money or it could have just been like the market was changing. Like when I got into web design, it was right before, All of these, you know, pop-up websites, Wix, and all of these things came about. And it was like, well, this is over, (laughs) you know? Like, websites are cheap.
0: And along the way, each business, you know, taught you something. There were lessons with each one. And so here you are now. And
1: that's the scary part. What's your go-to snack? (laughs) Go-to snack, man, right now it's a Red Bull. And I don't even know if that counts as a snack. (laughs) It's the truth. (laughs)
0: Slide. I think it's, I think it does. Yeah. There's somebody here that has a Red Bull, like four of them a day. Dude,
2: Red Bulls are all those energy drinks are disgusting.
1: <laughs> when you need I don't energy. drink them. I don't drink them I either, but around one o'clock. One Justin,
2: o'clock. Justin, who used to work here would bring in cases. Like he would probably drink. I feel like a half a case or a whole case a day of those white Red Bulls. I think they are sugar-free ones. Yeah. It was like, dude, that's so fucking gross. Like, you're just drinking that. I, I can't do it. Like, there's sometimes where I, like, force myself to have one or have, like, the Mountain Dew version. They have, like, an energy mm-hmm. drink or whatever because I want it to taste more like Mountain Dew and not, like, fucking liquid Smarties, which is exactly what a Red Bull tastes like to me. It's just, like, the carbonation and the intensity of, like, how strong it is. It's just, like, oh, Like, it's so... Like, I have to force it down. I have to, like, do that thing where I have like, rub my neck to, like, get it down.
0: Do you have it's a sick. go-to food snack?
1: Um, I go through a lot of, like, pop, smart food, popcorn, you know, uh, white cheddar chip. Get, I get going. Oh, yeah. I'm getting a bag of everything. I'm getting, like, uh, <laughs> pistachios is probably, like, my favorite thing to eat. That's, like, not, like, I'm just eating it throughout the day. Some pistachios can go, you know, can go through a nice little handful that gets of it. It's expensive. They them things are expensive. I try to buy like the dollar little tubes, like two or three of them, the little ones, but they're expensive, man.
2: It's funny because Chris has a story of when he went to Syracuse for his master's, he lived in a van. Like he lived in the van in the parking lot of school. And he said he always remembered like these like kids who their parents paid for their school, and they would always. Complain about money or whatever But he had one where this person was complaining About how they didn't have any money But they were eating like a whole bag of pistachios He's <laughs> like what the fuck are you talking about You're eating like a hundred dollar bag of pistachios Right now are, are, Like are, I live in a van in the parking are, lot
1: <laughs> Some people's problems are different Man and you know the it, It's funny when you have Somebody who's, who's, who's going through Something like that or, or you know Experiencing these different Processes or different uh, positions in life, man, you can really see like someone who's humble and like what they would do versus what somebody, you know, the things that I've done or the process, the things that I went through throughout this journey is like, man, I wish I had. So like, I wish I would have started like that. Like, I wish I would have been able to do some of those things, but, ultimately, but it wouldn't make you, you know, it wouldn't make you who you the, are. The character that you have and the mm-hmm. appreciation that you have is a lot different, you know, and I You know, I'm happy for my humble beginnings of a sort because, you know, maybe I wouldn't respect what you guys are capable of doing and different things like that. Or, you know, look at a crafter and be like, wow, that's some real talent because, you know, everything was like laid out in front of me.
2: That's what's terrifying about being a dad is like, I kind of had some rough stuff when I was a kid and I feel like that's what got me to where I am. It got me my drive to do what I wanted to do. But My kids have it so fucking cush right now
0: yeah but you we talked about that and you've like decided disney every to year and shit not 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 that's over that that's okay it's when not. they're young I've we're booking it right like, now
2: i don't know why i'm kidding
0: d- d- don't do it because <laughs> adversity my daughter
2: looks at me and goes dad are we going to disney oh, and the girls, I fold
1: i fold The instantly. girls it's over the girls is over i said you hug the girls and kick the boys right like i yeah. try to give them some tough lessons of a sort and uh you know, the, the world and the shift and the way they look at money and stuff is completely different. You know, I would go shovel snow from day to night, you know, yeah. and call my mom to pick me up. My son the-
2: would never do that in a million years. Never.
1: They ain't even mm-hmm. think, they not even going to shovel your, their mom's car. He's
2: like, wait, can I shovel in a video game? Like how, how do, can I get well, that my, shovel simulator?
0: My boy wasn't going to be soft. And so I made it, uh, I like your, I like that. Uh, saying kick the boys I mean, and maybe even the girls too, because I really think that, I adversity like they all need at kick. that at that young age, people are too soft now. And so if you want to be successful and not just be an entrepreneur, I mean, just be successful in life. It needs to be a struggle. Mm-hmm. And because the real world doesn't care, the real world doesn't spoil you. And so you got to prepare them. And so I always did that. Um, do you prefer a night in or a night out? I stole your question. You dick. <laughs>
1: Um, night out, night out. I think, you know, I spend so many nights in now. Uh, I, I want to go out a little bit, catch a plane somewhere and sit on a beach, honestly. So <laughs> my night out is like a week out, like anywhere mm-hmm. I'm trying to far away from here.
2: I feel like that's the same thing I'm doing right now is like, I look forward to the three to four day trips, not necessarily like the Friday night out or whatever. So yeah, I'm in the same boat. Andy, does that mean I'm doing your final question? Because it is. Yeah, we switched what?
0: it up. Yeah, we switched oh,
2: it up. Shit, I feel weird. I feel, I feel like <laughs> I'm violating you. Um, well, what's for dinner?
1: What's for dinner? Some chicken dumplings, some pepper steak. Literally looking at it, ready to get some right. <laughs> <laughs> it's been
2: it's been teasing him this entire time. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate you coming on, dude. This was a nice uh, alternative to what we're normally just talking about, printing stuff. It was a lot of, you know, what are you passionate about and how do you want to get there to talk. So um, thanks for coming on and doing this, with us. Appreciate
0: you guys for having me. I learned a little bit about Supercolor, and you've been super inspirational. No, he <laughs> didn't, he didn't like that earlier either, but I had to say it again. I had to get it in there one more time.
1: <laughs> yeah, the funny thing but about that is... Super works with you can literally say super anything and it works. Yeah, yeah. Some I don't even say super no more. This is like it's just <laughs> it's just like that was super easy. I'm talking about something completely different. It's like See, Dylan, you know, I knew it. I was onto something there.
2: Okay,
0: all
1: right, man.
2: <laughs> See you, dude.
1: See you guys.